Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Hill City Church in Springfield, Missouri. We are a community of believers who exist to glorify God by making disciples who bring gospel restoration to our city and world. For more information about Hill City or to support our ministry, you can find us online at hillcitysgf.org. Let's do it. Mike's going to read our scripture today. Isaiah 9 is where we'll be if you want to turn there. Isaiah 9, verse, starting verse 6. Mike, will you read it for us? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Good morning. Second week of Advent. Advent is the arrival of Jesus. As we look back, that the Messiah who was promised came. He, he arrived. And then while we're in this place, that we are looking forward to his, once again, his return, his coming to make all things new. That's the celebration of Advent, the weeks of Advent. Hope, peace, Joy, love. Those are the historical weeks. Church, Christians have been celebrating and looking at those four words during the season of Advent for hundreds and hundreds of years. Hope, peace, joy, love. Today is peace. If you look at the Bible and you want to understand the Bible, maybe think about the Bible as, as this rope that hundreds of threads that wound together tell a story. And you can actually put... Put your finger on one little thread and follow that all the way through the story. Um, Students, you've heard part of the story, but a few months ago, my wife told me that she had bought tickets to a Broadway show called Hamilton. Now, we didn't get seen on Broadway. We saw it in Oklahoma, (laughs) which is the same thing, same thing. Uh, And she said, do you want to go? And I said, Eh, that's what I thought. I said, yes, of course I want to go to Hamilton. I've never been a Broadway person, never been a theater person. I love stories when they start dancing and singing, you lose me usually. So not really excited to go. Went to this really more to be with her and, and, and go have fun with my wife. And so we went to see this show. And within a, the first song or two, I was completely captivated. Since then, I have the whole stinking thing memorized. I started listening to the album. It's ridiculous. Uh, but one of the things that made this... Anyone seen this, by the way? Seen it? You need to. One of the things that made it so brilliant is how the, the writer wove together all these different threads that piece the story together. In, in, in plays and songs, it's called a motif. Something that keeps showing up in repeating patterns that binds it together. And so like in the Hamilton story, there's this beginning where Alexander Hamilton, he won't wait. He's he's just a go-getter. He's going to go after uh, what he wants to do. And then his his guy who ends up becoming his nemesis, his friend who actually kills him. I'm not giving away the story. It's history. Read your history books. Um, How his position is he's going to wait. He's going to always sit back and wait. And that thread of of Hamilton going for it and, and uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name, waiting for it. And then all the way to the end, this thread keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And at the end, the big twist is it, sw- it switches. And Hamilton doesn't shoot. He waits. And to which he was killed. 
And it's a motif, it's a thread that holds the story together. The Bible is the same way. Hundreds of threads that hold together the story of God. We, We can look at a bunch of them. Hope, joy, peace, love, light, darkness. All of these single threads individually tell a story, but come together to tell the big story. So peace starts in the beginning. You guys know the word for it. We talk about this a lot. What's the Hebrew word for peace? Tell me. Shalom, shalom, flourishing, goodness, everything together. It starts there. That peace is broken. But the, the thread that holds us together is the promise that one day peace would come and then ultimately come again. It's this thread that holds it together. So the Hebrew word shalom, peace, is what we look at. Now, when I first kind of got the assignment, I'm going to do the, the week on peace. When I think of peace, the first image that comes to my mind is a hippie holding up the peace symbol. I don't know about anyone else. Maybe not. Uh, I grew up, I learned to play guitar on all the anti-war, James Taylor, Simon and Garfunkel, Bob Dylan, all those. And so I just, peace. That's the first thing I think about. When we think of, when I think of the word peace, here's what I think. No conflict, right? Uh, No war. War is cease. But a biblical understanding of peace is, goes beyond not having conflict, okay, or not having war. The biblical idea of peace is that it's wholeness. So, for example, you could think, well, I have peace with others, meaning I don't have conflict. But in reality, you may not have peace. In reality, you may just be very passive and just kind of live a secluded or numbing life that therefore you, it assumes peace. But biblical peace is what is broken coming together, wholeness, complete, soundness, well-being. So true peace is not just absence of conflict. True peace is putting something back together. And so the promise that the prophet Isaiah, this is before Jesus comes, prophet Isaiah is pointing the Hebrew people towards is that one day a Messiah would come to bring peace. Now, one of the passages, one of the threads that we find in the book of Isaiah is him, the prophet Isaiah, pointing the people to this. Michael read it. Let's look at the first part again. Here's what he says. Again, this is Isaiah writing as prophecy for that, the, how the Messiah would come. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Anyone heard this language in a Christmas song? Yeah, I've heard it once, okay? And his name shall be called, and now there's four names that Isaiah gives for this Messiah that would come. And maybe one day in Advent, this will be four little sermon series we'll do, but four names. This Messiah will come, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So the promise Isaiah said, when the Messiah comes, he will bring peace. He he is the Prince of Peace. That no one brings peace like he will bring. Like he will secure peace is what was promised. Now, as the Hebrew people looked at this passage, here's what they began to believe. Okay, a Messiah will come. He'll ride in on horseback. He'll have a big sword. He'll kill our enemies. And then the Jewish nation will reign in as the rulers of all with this Messiah, this new king, this new King David, that we, they would reign as the conquering 
nation of the world, and now the world will be at peace. That's what they believed. Now, is that true? No, no, of course not, right? And we look at their history. We look at their history. The hope of the world was not the Jewish nation being in charge. They would not bring peace. Side note, the hope of the world is not America being in charge of everyone. That will bring peace. That's not the hope. But this hope of that Isaiah promised is a hope that the Messiah would bring peace. Now, here's the reality. The greatest need of Israel and the world was not for Israel to rule and bring peace. The greatest need for Israel was to have their sins atoned for. And that is what the Messiah would bring. The Prince of Peace would come, and he would bring peace between God and man. Hill City Church, hear me. Your greatest need, your greatest problem is not your anxiety, your worry, your job, your spouse, this friendship, finals week coming up. That is not your greatest issue. The greatest issue is because you are a sinner, you have a broken relationship with God. And Jesus came to bring peace between you and God. Peace is a bringing back together. That on the cross, Jesus died a death you and I deserve. Was raised in a power that I don't have, and neither do you, to secure our peace with God. Hear me, your only hope today is the blood of Jesus spilled on your behalf to secure your peace. The Prince of Peace doing the work of your salvation. I hear this all the time. I got to get back in church. No, we're glad you're here. Your greatest hope is not you getting back to church to somehow reestablish peace with God. Well, I, I just got to get back to God. No, you don't. God came to you in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to die the death you deserve. The Prince of Peace came to secure your peace with God. Your sin caused separation. Jesus restored wholeness. Peace. Romans 5.1 is one of the threads. I could point you to a hundred scriptures. One of them. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Not peace with God through your good religious behavior. Not peace with God because you gave a check of offering. Now please do that. We need it. Peace with God through the blood of Jesus. The Prince of Peace came to restore your peace. And this is what's so cool. Not just restore you and like, okay, I died for you, but actually to restore you to a beloved child of God. When God looks at you today, if you are in Christ, he is pleased. You are a beloved child of God because the Prince of Peace came on your behalf. So Jesus came the Prince of Peace, to secure our peace with God. But it doesn't end there. It's not just, okay, well, now I go to heaven when I die. No, he came to give you peace with God and then to see that peace begin to transform the rest of your life. That your heart actually now, because you're at peace with God, that you can begin to learn peace in your heart. And then that peace spreads and because I have peace with God, I'm learning peace in my heart, I have peace with one another. Amen. 
I have peace in a church this size, that I have peace when it comes to racial divides. The gospel, peace with God, brings peace in our heart, which expands. That is the beauty of what the Prince of Peace does. So we talk about the already but not yet. Jesus has already secured your peace with God. But not yet are we currently at peace. Completely peace. Anyone, I mean, anyone here like, I never have worries, anxieties, troubles, because the sermon, come preach. I'd love to hear you. No. So it is the reality of us now is I already have peace with God, but now how do I begin to live in that peace on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis? Okay, so, so John 14 is another one of those threads we see this idea of peace. Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples. They're getting ready to watch their hero, their friend, be tortured to death. And he sees the worry on their hearts. He sees their face. Here's what he says to them. Disciples, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. So, so disciples, he sees them like, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is going to secure their peace. And he says that him going to secure their peace, he will actually give them peace. And so this invitation is, don't let your heart be troubled. Now look what he says. He brings peace not as the world does. Now the world has some peace to offer. Let let me give you an example. We have many policemen that come to our church. They bring a sense of peace and we are grateful for them, correct? Of course. Insurance, 401k, like there is a peace, there is a peace that our world brings. But here's the problem with the peace that the world brings. Though it is good and though we appreciate it, it can be gone that like that. One call from a doctor and that peace the world brings is shattered. Here's what Jesus says, here's promise. I bring peace, but not as the world does. Meaning the peace that the Prince of Peace brings is peace that's not based on circumstances. Peace that does not drift away moment by moment by moment. That is the invitation. That the Prince of Peace will come, he'll secure your relationship with God, and then he will begin to invite you to peace. Now, Quickly, how do we get there? There's another passage. Again, we follow another thread. Philippians 4. Don't be anxious about anything. Anyone anxious this morning? Anyone have troubles? Anyone have a big meeting this week that you're you're worried about? Anyone have finals this week that you're worried about? Anyone have job concerns, problems with your spouse, a friendship, a heart conversation, a medical concern? Don't be anxious about anything. In prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So here is the, here is the reality. Here's the promise. Anxiety, troubles will come. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. We can't be surprised when troubles come. God, where are you? God promised they would come. To live in a sinful, broken world is to have troubles, anxieties, hurts, bodies falling apart, relations. In this world, you have troubles. 
So don't, don't be anxious. That's the invitation. And then the end of it says, you're going to have a peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It, so it's this peace that comes that when other people look at this, they're like, that peace does not make sense. There's anxiety, there's trouble. There's peace that surpasses all understanding. Just, just, it's unbelievable how much peace is here in a situation. How do we get there? He tells us. Don't be anxious about anything, but here we go. By prayer and supplication, by prayer, and thanksgiving. So what bridges the gap between anxiety and troubles, hurt, fear, failure, that gets us to peace? Thanksgiving. How about this word? Gratitude and prayer. If you want to begin to see peace in your life, it begins with these two things, gratitude and prayer, thanksgiving and prayer. Let me talk about thanksgiving, gratitude. There, Google the research that's coming out now that shows living a life of gratitude leads to a more content, happy, peaceful life. If only researchers had read the Bible. <laughs> Could have saved a lot of money on research. That the invitation of God is, if you will live with thanksgiving, with gratitude, it will actually begin to lead you to peace. All through the day, guys, we have troubles. There are so many things to worry about. And if we allow ourselves just to be driven and, and live in that, peace will be far from us. It will be anxiety. But the invitation is, on every single moment, you have something to be very thankful for. You have something to live in gratitude about. And a practice of beginning to live in gratitude will begin to shape your beliefs, leading you to peace. So last night, um, we didn't have kids at the house, so Emily and I went on a little date, and we went to see the new Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, the best actor ever lived, and you can argue with me, but you're wrong. Okay, so went to see Mr. Rogers, Tom Hanks, brilliant movie. And there's this, there's this scene in the movie. So, so the movie's based on, you know, Mr. Rogers and this reporter who's this angry guy. He has these issues with his dad. He's, he's just living his pain. And he goes to write a piece on Mr. Rogers and he's going to destroy Mr. Rogers. Like he's, he's just going to just destroy him. Well, Mr. Rogers begins over a series of conversations to win him over to himself. It's a really beautiful film. Go see it. Well, there's this part in the film and so Emily and I were in this theater, and the theater's packed. There's a part in the, in the film where Mr. Rogers, you know, Tom Hanks is sitting there with this reporter who's got all, he's angry, he's bitter, all this trouble in his, in his life, and that's what's driving him. And Mr. Rogers, you know, Tom Hanks looks at him and he says, one of the things that helps me in my life is if I sometimes just have silence and think about the people in my life I'm grateful for. And, of course, it's, you know, it's this real calm Mr. Rogers voice and you can see in the, in the film that this reporter's like, oh my gosh, are we really doing this here? Like we're in a restaurant, there's all these people. And, and, and Mr. Rogers said, do you mind if we do that? And then in the film, it's silence for an entire minute. And especially watching it in a, in a theater, like with a bunch of other people, the entire theater is silent. And, the, and the, the camera zooms in to Mr. Rogers, and he's looking. And it's like he's peering into your soul. <laughs> and I found myself in a theater watching a movie 
one minute of silence was with this invitation from Mr. Rogers, I'm back in my childhood, to think about the people in my life that mean something to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm like weeping. And I look over at my wife and she's like doing this and we're like, we're both torn apart. And even in a film, this minute long silence, gratitude began to lift up my heart and I begin to just feel this sense of peace, like God is good. How do we get from anxiousness to peace? Gratitude. And then here's the next thing, prayer. Prayer. So here's the idea with, with prayer. And I don't mean just like, dear God, thank you for it. No. When you feel the trouble come, when you get the phone call, when you get the thought, when you get the doubt, Right then, in that very moment, what does it look like to turn directly to God in the midst of my anxiety, asking him to bring peace? So he says, don't be anxious, but through prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, it will lead you to peace. So there's a book many of our elders have read. It's on my list. I haven't read it yet. Here's a quote from a book on prayer. It's called A Praying Life. We would recommend all of you read this book. Here's what he says. Instead of fighting anxiety, troubles, we can use it as a springboard to bending our hearts to God. Instead of trying to suppress anxiety, don't be nervous, don't worry, Daniel. Instead of trying to suppress it or manage it, or this is good, smother it with pleasure, that's the world we live in, we can turn our anxiety towards God. When we do that, we'll discover that we've slipped into continuous prayer. So here's the invitation from God. Trouble comes, anxiety, worry. In that very second, can you turn to God? Jesus, the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit. To Jesus, you are in charge, you are in your throne, you bring peace, you promise that. Teach me peace. The very second, the anxiety comes. So here's what I love to do. Anxiety, trouble, worry. I can fix it. Anyone else? Immediately, so here's, here's, here's me. Immediately, trouble, anxiety, worry comes. Superman cape, Daniel can do it. I. Or how about this? Anxiety, trouble, worry comes. Okay, you, Emily, you've got to. Or that. Job, money, success. So it's this invitation from God. If we want to have peace in our lives, anxiety, worry comes instead of me, you, that, they, it, Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through prayer and supplication, turning to the Lord in the midst and living a life of gratitude, peace comes. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Because in this world, you'll have troubles. But the Prince of Peace has come, offering us peace. As part of this series, um, each week, the four weeks, we're going to do a story, an interview. Remember, these stories will not be on the podcast, just to protect the stories of the people that are sharing it. So get here, come, because we'll do two more uh, next week and the week after. But we have a story today, so we can... Come on. I shouldn't have watched Mr. Rogers last night. It's got me all emotional. I can't contain it. 
So as we close, as we close here this morning, the weeks of Advent, hope, peace, joy, and love. Here's the cool thing about those four words. Like one is an invitation to another. Like hope is that first, like I will not say this is how it will be. Whether that's your marriage, whether that's a sin struggle, whether that's a sickness, like hope says I will not give up the fight. Evil will not have the final word. That's hope. And then that hope begins the fight, which begins to lead us to peace and then joy next week and ultimately love, that these are all interconnected. So the already but not yet, the Prince of Peace has already come and he has secured your peace with God. You have to do nothing to earn your salvation. And now the invitation is, will you allow the Prince of Peace to rule in your heart? Can you invite the Prince of Peace into your chaos? Can you invite the Prince of Peace into your pain, into your uncertainty, into your sin struggles, into your marriage, with the promise that the Prince of Peace will come leading you to peace? Let's pray together.